Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and I want you to go with me to James chapter 5. Go with me today to James chapter 5. And as you are turning to that passage of Scripture in your Bible or as you are looking at your iPhone or your iPad, and for those heathens here this morning that don't have any of that, we will have the Scriptures on the screen for you so that you'll be able to follow along with the word that the Lord has given me this morning. But before I get into the message that the Lord's put in my heart today, I want to just remind you this afternoon at 2 o'clock, as you know, we are getting ready to start a whole new season of small group ministry here at Summerton Church of God. And if you've led a group in the past, or if you're interested in leading a small group presently, or if you would just like to open your home and host a small group, uh, we're having a meeting this afternoon at 2 o'clock in the fellowship hall, and I'm inviting you to come. You're not committing to anything. It's just an informational meeting for you to come and uh, get the information that you need moving forward. This morning, I'm going to continue the series that we started last week entitled Prayer That Gets Results. Last week, I talked to you about the prayer of faith. We discovered that faith that acts and faith that asks and faith that endures gets answered. The passage of scripture that the Lord gave me for this series to preach from and to use as a basis for this series is this passage in James chapter 5 beginning at verse 13. Last week we read through verse 18. Today we're just going to read 13, 14, and 15. And I'm absolutely convinced that we have not discovered all the gems, all the treasure, that we have not discovered all the truths that are found here in this passage of Scripture. But hopefully before we leave here today, we will better understand what James is talking about in these few passages of Scripture. Notice what he says. He said, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. He said, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And then in verse 15, he says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven now most of us when we look at this passage of scripture we have pretty much limited it to physical healing that what James is talking about in this passage is that if you are suffering in your body pray if you are sick in your body, call for the elders of the church to anoint and to pray over you in the name of the Lord. And then the prayer of faith will save the sick. And we've always looked at that as being interpreted as physical sickness or physical illness. Now, I've told you since day one that I've been here, and I've tried to teach you, and I'm going to remind you today that you cannot go to Scripture and just 
just pick out a couple of scriptures and, and bring them out of context to, to get them to mean whatever it is that you want them to mean. No, you've got to read the entire portion of scripture. You've got to know the context of this passage of scripture. And when we look at the context of this passage of Scripture, when we get a better idea of the thought that James has in this entire chapter, then it's going to give us a better understanding of these few verses of Scripture. And this chapter, let me tell you what James is talking about. James is talking to a group of Jewish believers. They are Messianic Jews. They are Jews who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And as a result of that, they are being intensely persecuted because of their faith. As a matter of fact, the one that was at the center of all of this persecution was a man by the name of Saul, who later would have an encounter with God on the road to Damascus, and God would forever change his life and change his name to Paul. But Saul was the one who was at the center of a lot of this persecution early on, early on. And these Jews, these Jewish believers were so persecuted in Palestine that they began to scatter to other places of the known world into Gentile nations. And they thought scattered for the purpose of being protected from those who were trying to harm them. But now we know what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says. Jesus told his disciples just before he ascended back to heaven. He said that you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And how many of you know that God will do whatever it takes to get us out of our comfort zones into the calling that he has on our lives? And so God uses this persecution in a good way to get these Jews, these Christian Jews, out of Palestine. And he scatters them throughout Gentile nations, not just to protect them, but for the sake of getting the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But James is writing to these Jewish believers to encourage them because they are going through a difficult season in their lives as I said, they are going through some intense persecution because of their faith. And notice, notice what James says when we get back to James chapter 5, verse 7, to give some context to this passage. James says to these Jewish believers, he says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Because here's, here's what was happening. These people believed in the return of the Lord. They had heard that Jesus was coming back. They, they believed that he could come back at any moment. But, but they're, they're suffering such intense persecution that many of them are, are not just physically weak, but they are spiritually weak. They are emotionally weak. They are at the point to where they're ready to just throw in the towel, give up, and quit as followers of Christ. And James said to them, no, he says, you need to be patient until the Lord's coming. He, he is coming, and you need to hang on to that promise. You need to hang on to that hope. Don't lose your hope in the midst of, of persecution. And then he goes on and he says, see how the farmer, everybody say farmer. How many of you know farmers are hard workers? 
He said, see how the farmer does what? He waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. The autumn rain was the rain that would soften the soil so that he could plow it and so that he could get the seed in the soil. And then the spring rain was the rain that would cause the seed to germinate and the harvest to be abundant. But between the autumn rain from the time that he planted and the spring rain till the time that he harvested, guess what he had to do? Wait. And there was a lot of things that was beyond his control. There was a lot of things that that farmer could control. But there were some things outside of his control. He could not control when it was going to rain, how much it was going to rain, or if it was going to rain. And so the things that he could not control, he had to trust God with. Now, boy, there's, there's a message for somebody here today who's trying to control some things that you were never intended to control. Maybe that's the reason why some of us here today are weak and weary. we got to let God control what we cannot control. But, but what he says here about the farmer is that a farmer teaches us that your labor is not in vain. That, that, that sooner or later there's going to be reward. Sooner or later there is going to be a harvest. But we've just got to wait. And when you're waiting, you don't sit around doing nothing. When a, when a farmer's waiting, a farmer's not just sitting around doing nothing. He's working, and he's working hard preparing for the harvest. And so he said, see how the farmer waits for its land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring's rain. And then he says this, you too be patient and stand firm. This is the word that the Lord gave me at the beginning of 2021 for our church is the word stand. I knew this was going to be a difficult year. I knew that we were going to be required that even though we were facing a difficult season in our lives, that we're going to have to trust God for the grace and the strength to continue to stand and to stand firm, to not quit. Some people have quit. Some people have abandoned. Through this pandemic, some people have disconnected from God, and they've disconnected from the body of Christ. But notice what James says, no matter how difficult it gets, don't quit. Stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. How many of you know this morning that Jesus is coming soon? I know that I've heard that all of my life, but I believe it now more than I've ever believed it before. And I believe that we're closer now than we've ever been before. And then he goes on and he says this. He said, during this season of difficulty that you're going through, he says, don't grumble against each other because that's what we like to do, isn't it? We gripe. We complain. We want to blame God for it. We want to blame others for it. We, we don't blame ourselves, but we blame others. We blame God. He said, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged because the judge is standing at the door. You see, when you stand before God, when I stand before God, we're not going to be able to pass the blame. We're not going to be able to pass the buck. We're going to have to take responsibility for our own actions. And then he goes on and he says this in verse 10. He says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, he said, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Patience in suffering. Think about these prophets. Now, let me tell you something about the prophets. They suffered. They suffered intense persecution. You go study the life of Isaiah. Isaiah was sawed in half because of the word that he declared. 
Isaiah was a righteous man. Isaiah was obedient to do what God called him to do and declare the word of God when people didn't want to hear the word of God. And what that tells me is, is that you can be a righteous person. You can be obedient to do what it is that God's calling you to do and still suffer. Still go through a difficult season in your life. And these other prophets would watch as their fellow prophets would be persecuted and tortured and many of their lives taken. And they had to learn how to be patient in the face of suffering. And then he goes on and he says, you know that we count as blessed those who have persevered. Not those who quit when the going gets tough, but those who persevere. Those who hang in there, those who do not lose their hope. He said, we consider blessed as those who have persevered. And then he says, you've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. All the Bible says about Job is that he was perfect and upright before God, that he feared God and he shunned evil. And it's like the Lord set him up as a target because one day the sons of God come to present themselves before the Lord And Satan shows up as well, and the Lord looks at Satan and says, Satan, where have you been? And he said, I've been roaming to and fro and up and down in the earth, seeking whom I may devour. And do you know what the Lord says to Satan? Well, have you considered my servant Job? Now, how would you feel? God, I thought I was your homie. I thought I was your buddy. I thought I was your friend. But Satan looks at God and says, well, no longer he serves, no, no, no wonder he serves you. I mean, look at how much you've blessed him. That's the only reason why he serves you is because you've blessed him so much. He said, if you'll let me remove that hedge of protection around him and take everything that you've given him, I guarantee you he'll curse you to, his, to your face. And the Lord allows a difficult season into Job's life. But what is Job's response? He persevered. He said, naked came I into this world, naked shall I leave the Lord gave, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I wonder, can you still worship when it seems like everything's going wrong in your life? And Job teaches us that we can. And then he goes on and he says this. James said, now here's something that you need to remember, not just in difficult seasons, but in all seasons of your life. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. You see, one thing that you and I need to remember when we're going through a difficult season in our lives is we need to remember the character of God because we have a tendency sometimes to doubt God or we have a tendency sometimes to forget God and who God is and what God can do in our life. And here's what James is saying. He's saying, you're going through some difficult times in your life right now. Yes, you are being persecuted, but don't forget who God is. That God is full of compassion. God is full of mercy. Paul said it like this in Ephesians. He said, God is rich in mercy. So he's talking to a group of people here who are going through a tough time and he's trying to encourage them. And so he begins by giving them some examples of others who have been through some tough times themselves. And then he comes to this passage in chapter thir- or in chapter 5 verse 13 where he says, "Okay, we just looked at some examples of some folks who were suffering. Now let me ask you guys, are you suffering? 
Is anyone among you suffering? And when he talks about suffering here, he's not just talking about suffering from persecution, even though every time this Greek word is used, it's always connected to persecution. But there can be some people here this morning who may be suffering, as we said just a few moments ago, some people who are suffering physically, some people who are suffering spiritually, some people who are suffering financially. Maybe there's some of you here today who recently found out that your spouse has been unfaithful to you. Or maybe there's somebody here today who's just come through a divorce. Or, or maybe there's somebody here today who is experiencing desertion or some kind of abuse. Or maybe there's some parents here this morning who has had children rebel against you and rebel against God. Maybe you're struggling financially today. Maybe, maybe you're going through some kind. Let, let me just ask you this. Just so that I know that I'm on the right track here today and, and, and that what I'm talking about here today is relevant, let me ask you the same question that James asked this congregation that he's writing to. Let me ask you, is anyone among us today suffering? Mm, let me ask that again. Is anyone among us today suffering? Absolutely. Absolutely. Many of us are suffering. Many of us are going through a difficult time. And notice what he says. He says, if anyone among you is suffering, what, what is our response to be? No, notice what he doesn't say, do. He doesn't say, well, take a drink. He, he doesn't say, pop a pill. He, he doesn't say, get involved in an unhealthy relationship. He doesn't say, abandon your marriage or abandon your family. What does he say? He said, when you're going through a difficult season in your life, what does he say to do? He said, let him pray. Who? If you are in a season of suffering today, if you are going through a dif difficult season in your life, guess who is supposed to pray? You are supposed to pray for yourself. And this, this is in the, the continuous imperative here in the Greek, which means let, let him or her pray and keep on praying. And keep on praying. And keep on praying. It's what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, when he said that we are to pray without ceasing. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, if I were to say to you this morning, breathe without ceasing, you'd better understand that, wouldn't you? Because if you don't breathe without ceasing, what will you do? You will die because you need oxygen in your body to keep you alive. You need oxygen in your body to exist. And what oxygen is to the body, prayer is to the spirit. And what Paul is saying there when he says pray without ceasing, he is saying that you need prayer to survive. You need prayer to exist. You need prayer to live. Pray without ceasing. And he said if you're going through a difficult season right now, don't gripe, don't grumble, don't complain about it. Let him pray. And then he says, is anyone cheerful? Don't you just hate it when you're going through a bad season? And somebody walks past you whistling and singing and happy. You get a little resentful. But he said, is anyone cheerful? Let him do what? Let him sing psalms. Now get this. This is so important. He said, if you're suffering, do what? Pray. He said, if you're cheerful, what do you do? Praise. 
If you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, praise. So no matter what season you are in in your life, you're either praying or you're praising. And do you know what both of those are? Both of those keep you in contact with heaven. Both of those are you communicating with God in heaven. You're either praying or you're praising. You pray without ceasing. And then he goes on to verse 14 and he says this, Is any among you sick? And notice I underlined and highlighted the word sick because most people think he's talking only about physical sickness here. Listen to me, he is not. There is so much more here in this passage than what we see. Unless we dig deep. But the word sick here comes from the Greek word that 12 out of 15 times in the New Testament, it's not translated sick, it's translated weak. So read it like this. Is any among you weak? And that fits the context of this so much better. Because there were so many of these Jewish believers who were weak because of the persecution who was weak because of the attack of the enemy. He's not just talking about physical weakness here. He's talking also and primarily about spiritual weakness, emotional weakness, mental weakness, weakness of the soul and weakness of the spirit. And he said, is any among you sick? If any among you are weak, what are they to do? He said, let him, that person who is weak, that person who is powerless, that person who is impotent spiritually in that moment. And how many of you know that, that difficult seasons can take a lot out of us and leave us weak until we are at the point to where we just don't even feel like praying anymore. We don't feel like calling on God. We don't have the strength. We don't have the energy to pray. And all of us have been there at some season of our lives. And he said, when you get to that place that you cannot pray for yourself, he said, here's what you need to do. You need to call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you. Who are the elders of the church? Those are the spiritual leaders of the church. Those are the people who are spiritually strong and listen to me this morning, Summerton Church of God. When you are spiritually weak, you need to get on the phone and you need to call somebody who is spiritually strong in the body of Christ and say, I can't even pray for my own self. I need you to get over here to my house and I need you to pray for me. I need you to seek God for me. Anybody ever been there before? I've been there before. He said, let him pray. This reminds me of what happens here in Mark chapter 2. It says that when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, it says the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word, four men arrived doing what? carrying a paralyzed man. Notice Jesus at his house. He's teaching. There's so many people in the house you can't get in. There's this paralyzed man who needs to get to Jesus, but he cannot do it by himself. And thank God he has four people who care about him. 
and says, you may not be able to carry yourself, so we're going to carry you. And it says that four men arrived carrying this paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole. Look at this. Look at the extent that they're going to get their friend to Jesus so that his need can be met. They dug a hole through the roof above Jesus' head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. How many of you know we need some lifters like that in our lives? That when we can't lift ourselves, we got some others that will lift us up and get us to where Jesus is when we can't get there on our own. And notice this. Jesus says this, seeing their faith, not the paralyzed man, but the four men who brought him to Jesus, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. And he goes on later to declare him completely healed and whole. And the man takes up his bed and he walks out of the presence of Jesus. You see, there's sometimes when we're weak, there's sometimes spiritually that we are impotent and we, we, we can't pray. We, we don't have the strength to pray. We don't have the strength to get to Jesus. That's why we need some men and women in the body of Christ. And that's why we all need to be a part of a local church. It's because we need some people who know the word of God and who know the God of the word and who pray accordingly, who pray according to the will of God and pray according to the word of God. And that's what James is saying here. James is saying, if you're sick, if you're weak, you can't pray for yourself. Call the elders and let them bombard heaven for you. Look at this, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And Tanya, you can go ahead and begin to play. Anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, what's the first picture that we get at Summerton Church of God? We get that picture of taking a bottle of oil putting a little bit on our finger and touching the head of the person and praying healing over them. That is only a small part of what James is talking about here. The word anoint there actually means to rub or to massage. You see, oil was used for medicinal purposes in this particular culture, still is today. And if somebody would come in injured in their body, they would, they would take the oil, or if, come, if someone came in and they were, they were stressed and full of anxiety, they would put oil on them and they would massage, they would rub that oil in. I mean, they would literally rub oil on their wounds so that they could be healed. But there's also something symbolic that's going on here. Because oil represents the presence, the power, the person, and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so as they are rubbing that oil, and, and let me just say this. Have you ever heard anybody say, man, they were pouring it on thick today? Or man, they were rubbing it on heavy today. That, that's talking about somebody who, who speaks words of encouragement over you. To encouraged to refresh, to strengthen you. And, and that's also what this means. It's not just literally that they're rubbing oil, but they're also speaking words. They are the oil that God is using 
to help strengthen and to help restore and to help refresh them. But more than that, they're also praying and depending on the Holy Spirit to give grace, to give strength, to give comfort to this people in their hour of need. It's, it's the same word here when it says that is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. It's, it's, it's the same word that would have been used in a Hebrew sense back in Psalm 23 and 5 when David said, God, you prepare a table before me. Where? In the presence of mine enemies. When I'm under attack, when I'm going through a difficult season in my life, God, you make sure that you have provided everything I need to sustain me and protected me. And he says that you do what? You anoint my head with oil. That doesn't mean that God just poured oil over David's head or that God massaged it into David's head. But what he was saying is, and he's talking here because the anointing of oil was always associated with the blessings of God, with the provision of God, with the protection of God. And he said, God, even when I'm under attack, even in the presence of mine enemies, Lord, you've prepared and you've provided everything that I need, every resource, every blessing that I need, all the spiritual blessings that I need, your grace, your strength, your power, your comfort. And so anointing with oil means more. That's the easy thing to do is just anoint them with oil, pray, send them away. But what James is saying here, James just says, no, you come alongside them. Just like the Holy Spirit will do. We'll come alongside to provide help. You come alongside them. You walk through this season with them. And you encourage and you inspire. And then he ends this passage. He says, and then the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is a prayer that's prayed according to the will of God. And he said, and then the prayer of faith will do what? It will save the sick. Better translation, it will restore the weary. Did you just hear me? It will restore the weary. And the Lord will do what? And the Lord will raise him up. The Lord will get them back on their feet again. Strong. Ready to do battle. Matter of fact, that word sick there in this, in this passage is not the same Greek word as the one in the previous passage that we looked at. Whereas that one meant weak, this one means weary, to grow weary. That's why Paul said to the church, don't grow weary in doing good. For in due season, you'll reap a harvest if you don't quit. If you don't give up. And notice what he said. He said, the Lord will do what? Will raise him up. Isaiah 40. They that wait upon the Lord. He shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And this morning, we're going to be praying over our kids we're going to be praying over our teachers. We're going to be praying over our administrators. Especially our teachers and our administrators because I'm going to tell you something. About halfway through this school year, weariness can set in. Weakness can set in. And they need their church family to support them in prayer, to pray for them when they don't have the strength to pray for themselves.
And that's what we're going to do today. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.